Hello and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Over the many years I've been running a business, I've met many, many successful people, entrepreneurs, sports stars, celebrities, and dare I say, even royalty. So what makes a person successful? Do we know what success is? And the all-important question, can we create success for ourselves? This podcast series invites a diverse group of people to share their insights, their wisdom, and the things they've learned along the way. We all talk about, and we know the importance of keeping promises, but do we always find it that easy to stick to them? International humanitarian, speaker and author, Alex Sheen is the founder of Because I Said I Would, a social movement and nonprofit organization that has taken the world by storm with its compassionate and unique mission to inspire people to keep their promises. Alex set up the organization after losing his father in 2012 when he chose to dedicate himself to the betterment of humanity. Alex, and because I said I would, has sent out over 11 million promise cards to people all over the globe and it has seen Alex follow through on countless promises including walking 240 miles across the state of Ohio, which of course does beg the question why, but we're about to find that out, and agreeing to donate, now listen to this, 100% of his speaking fees to charity, which averages a whopping $1 million. Alex is here to tell us exactly how he cleverly combines research and philosophy, those amazing philosophies we're about to learn about, to go on helping making life easier for people to keep their promises. I first came across this young man. I can call you young man, Alex. Uh, what, six years ago? Seven years ago, we first connected. And you really did, I've already used the word take, uh, take by storm. You took a stage in front of, I think, 12,000 people. Absolutely. But in fact, they still talk about you to this day. And I had the privilege of being on the organizing committee. It was the best decision I think we've ever made when engaging a speaker. So let's start with Alex Sheen and where this amazing idea came from. I've already uh, talked about uh, the sad passing of your dad eight years ago, and I know you made a promise to him, and I've seen the video. The listeners today won't, unfortunately, have seen the video, but they will if you talk about that later on and how they find it. It was really, really inspiring. So just, if you can, take us back to that wonderful story that I know you've shared on the stage before. Yeah, you know, my, my father, he was a pharmacist for 25 years. And even during the COVID-19 pandemic, I wonder what he would say, I wonder what he would do, but a lot of his career in, in healthcare, I think was defined by the same thing that defined him as a parent to me, which is he followed through, he, he kept his promises. When he said he was gonna be there, he showed up. And he had this sense of hard work maybe because he was an immigrant and he had to make it in the United States on his own. I don't know exactly where it came. Maybe it came from poverty. Maybe it came from those moments of financial despair, but my father was far from a perfect person, but he kept his promises. And it turns out a lot of people don't do that anymore. And, and so as my life just continued as a, just a little kid growing up. I, I always looked up to my dad in, in that way. Unfortunately, in 2011, my father was diagnosed with stage four small cell lung cancer. And on September 4th of 2012, 
uh, I said goodbye for the last time. I reflected on his life and his greatest quality. I didn't want to remember my father by how he died. I wanted to remember him by how he lived, by the promises he kept to me and to my brother. And so I gave his eulogy. I titled it because I said I would. And for the first time, I handed out what I called a promise card, a simple piece of paper. It says, because I said I would on it. And you write a promise on it. You give it to the person. You tell them, I'm going to fulfill this promise. And when I do, I earn this card back. This card is a symbol of my honor, respect, is my property, and I'm coming back for it. You fulfill your promise, you earn your card back, and you keep it as a reminder that perhaps you are a person of your word. Maybe someone like Al Sheen was uh, to, his, to his boys. And, and so I offered to send 10 of these cards to anybody anywhere in the world at no cost to anyone, which um, is the dumbest financial decision I've ever made in my entire life. Uh, the number keeps ratcheting up. So in the intro, you said 11, it's, it's 12.8 million now to 153 countries around the world. And what those promises said, the stories behind them, the perspective, advice of those people is what, because I said I would, would become. Wow, it, it is an extraordinary story. And, uh, you know, we all rely on the internet so much, but even our own research uh, is a little bit behind the, the clock. 12.8 million promise cards, that's extraordinary. Um, now, just, just tell us, I know I, I've had the privilege, the honor, actually, of hearing lots and lots of these different stories. Just give us an example of the kinds of promises that people make. Um, there's, yeah. you know, I know there's, uh, there's stories of crime and people kind of handing themselves into the police because it's a promise that they've made. What, just talk to us about the impact, some, some of the examples that you can share, obviously, and the impact yeah. that it's had on, on communities. You, you'll see a huge range. You'll see a four-year-old girl write, I will sleep in my own room tonight, you know, and every word is misspelled. And it's, uh, it's just her badge of honor trying to get over a fear, like so many of us are in different ways for different things. And so it could be cute and innocent like that, or it could be a promise like, uh, I will not kill myself. It could be someone who has gone through post-traumatic stress disorder because of their service to their country or because of the sexual abuse they've gone through. It could be a number of things that drive people to that, this moment of suicidal risk. But you, you mentioned one of the most viral promises that came out of our movement, or at least the issue behind it, which was life and death. A, a, a young man, I remember this day, I was literally, it sounds silly because it is, I was in a, a park playing kickball, like in a Thursday adult kickball league. And uh, I looked down at my phone and our, our Facebook page, I have a message. And I, I remember walking through this field and literally just stopping. And this person, this 22 year old man says, I don't even know if you're a man at that point, maybe a kid, I'm not sure. But he says that he's killed somebody. And then he wants to make a promise uh, to turn himself in. He would eventually write, I will take full responsibility for what I've done. And what he did was reckless behavior. He got in a car after drinking. He drove the wrong way down the highway. He killed someone, was not charged for months, just hadn't had charges even to the moment he messaged me. And we recorded his confession video. He spent uh, over six years in prison. We actually recently got out. But it just speaks to how important commitment is, what a promise means in, in different parts 
of, of life. I think humans have good intentions. I really do. But intentions and $4 buys you a cup of coffee. You've got to keep those promises. You've got to make, you got to take that trend, that, that, that intention and, and, and make it into action. That is what a promise kept is. That is what he did. And what does that do? That takes that stress from the family of, of this prosecution and this drawn out lawsuit and, and prosecution and just shortens it and says, you know what, you did this. Let us, let us move on. And, and, and don't we want that even in an individual sense in our own lives, forget about crime, forget about aggravated vehicular vehicular manslaughter or anything like that. Just you and me, you and me every day, when someone breaks a promise, don't we want them to say, you know, I'm not here to waste your time. I apologize. It, It doesn't come by very often. And so the consequences of promises made, kept and broken echo through life in so many ways. And this is just one of them. Alex, I'm I'm um, really intrigued to take you back to those moments with your father. You and I share uh, something in common. I also lost my father to, to lung cancer. And um, I, I made a series of promises to him too. But taking you back to that moment, you know, you're a young man, very bright, clearly well-educated. I'm going to play devil's advocate for a second. What on earth apart from keeping the promise to your father, why would you not want to follow the normal career, the young man like you, with the world at his feet, why would you not want to follow a career path, do what everyone's expecting, but instead you have, I mean, this is, this is a world, a global movement, right? This is, uh, this is something that is changing lives all around the planet. Why on earth would you want to make that decision when you could have probably done it a bit half measure in your spare time? Yeah. You know, you mentioned my speaking engagement fees. I make a million dollars a year and I give that to the charity. At the end of the day, um, all revenue streams counted. I make as much as a kindergarten teacher. And that has its own moments of, of difficulty and questioning, sacrifice and things like that. But to be honest with you, I cannot go speak at schools at these assemblies, I can't talk to the kids afterwards, listen to them say, I, I, I've been abused, my father beats me, I've been molested, I, I, I'm in poverty, I'm homeless, um, I'm struggling with my autism, I can't hear these things and go to sleep at night feeling like I didn't do something about it. I, I don't think that everybody needs to try to play some kind of martyr role in this life. In fact, that's the opposite of what, because I said I would, would suggest. All we need to do is individually make and keep our own promises. I just have seen a, a lot that I can't forget anymore. And to be honest, I, I never felt comfortable getting rich off the fact that my father died. Um, I was never able to shake that that thought. And the other side of it is look how fortunate my life is, you know? I, I get to meet incredible people. I I get to make a difference with my my when I punch in every morning, I'm helping changing someone's life. I'm I, I'm fed. I got a car. I got a house. Uh, you you can't see it in the podcast, but Sandra, I gotta show you this. 
Look at this. Oh, right. what a beauty. This is my baby dog, uh, Rocky. He's a little, a little sheepy right now. But <laughs> I, I have what I need. Yeah. And, um, and that goes to a quote that I actually saw on a, on a sign walking across Ohio. I, I saw a sign that said, never let the things you want make you forget the things you have. And I just remind myself of that and the people who are counting on us and sacrifice becomes a, a lot easier, um, at least for me. Yeah, I, uh, kudos to you. And, and if, they, uh, if they dished out knighthoods in the US, I'm sure you'd get one. Uh, but we'll have, yeah, we'll have, I, I don't know. I keep the, I'm, it's, it's interesting because in the early days when Because I Said was going crazy, you know, uh, and, and our stories were shared on the Today Show and Oprah's people are calling and Anderson Cooper and nonsense, you know, they wanted me to do a reality show where like I, I went around to our supporters and like, did they make the, did they keep the promise? Do they break it? And things like that. But I really wanted our supporters to be at the center of the story. And, and so we've kind of kept it that way. So um, yeah, I don't know if I get it. I, I don't know if I'm well known enough for knighthood, but because I said I would is an underground thing that if you wear a shirt in the airport, uh, someone's going to say, I know what that is and, uh, and give you this eye. And that's how I know we're making a difference. <laughs> I, I think you're being very modest. You don't need to be famous to get a knighthood, not in the, not in the UK. Um, <laughs> so uh, this amazing ripple effect, um, I, I'm really intrigued by this because, you know, again, the skeptics are saying, well, look, you know, it's a bit old fashioned, you know, keeping promises. People break promises all the time. And what I love about what you've done, I was brought up the old fashioned way, you know, pleases and thank yous and show up on time. And, uh, and, and, and I've instilled in my kids this belief that you should always follow through, always keep your promises. So all this resonates with me. But what I, what I found really fascinating is you've take, you've carried so many people on this amazing journey. Um, tell us about some of the most unusual promises you've you've kept and carried out yeah you know when i look at promises in the context of our charity i think sometimes you have to be unusual a little bit meaning that sometimes things that are obvious uh things that might make a good social media post actually don't help at all and and that's where some of the unusual kind of angle comes in. Let, let me give you an example. Here in the United States, we have a program called DARE. And, and basically, it's, it's just a program to prevent drug use in teens. Well, when actually studied, and this is a massive program. It's like the most well-known program uh, in the United States by far. I could, couldn't think of a second one. And, and when you study this, a school that does DARE and a school that doesn't do DARE program, there is actually no difference in, in teen drug use in either of those schools. There's really no measurable effect of this, this program. Or you'll see something like scared straight. Scared straight is when you take a, a, a teen, a troubled teen, you bring them into a prison, you scare the, all the prisoners or the whole environment is terrifying and then you try to you know, scare them into a better life of, of less crime and violence. Well, you can go to the United States Department of Justice website and you can see, they will say, do not do this. This increases violence by 26%. Now the D.A.R.E. program may have changed, maybe certain parts of, of Scared Straight would work or wouldn't work. But my point is, is you have to have a theory of change. 
You have to say, these are my inputs. These are my outputs. These are my outcomes. And you have to think that through in a way that isn't for Instagram. And, and that's where I think a lot of promises uh, can come in. For example, right now we have over 240 volunteers uh, sewing masks for, for hospitals, healthcare facilities who are still short. I don't care what you've seen, like a, a local store selling a face mask or your grandmother sewing a face mask. These are still shortages in nursing homes and healthcare facilities, at least here in the United States. So we've sewn over 10,000 face masks. And the first thing that I, when I stepped into that program, I'm like, well, they're touching the masks all the time. Like, it, what if that sewer has, could, could, could it be possible that that face mask sewer is actually responsible for spreading the virus if we don't handle these things, sanitize them in certain ways? So I guess that's where you have to have unusual thinking. You have to believe for a second when you're making the promise, you have to be critical of yourself. You have to say, no, 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 there's no way this will work. And not in a demotivating way, but in a critical thinking way. And that's how we look at our charitable projects and programs. We have to be our strongest critic first, design around those challenges, and then move forward with, with a better promise. Yeah, that's, that's a, a point very well made, actually. You've mentioned social media, and obviously a lot of people listening, and it's a vast number now. Uh, what advice would you give to people looking to use social media, as, as many do now, to reach others, perhaps globally, in, in the hugely successful way that you have, Alex? Now I know sure. we're talking about we're talking about social movement here, but I mean you have executed brilliantly, if I may say, the use of social media. No one's better qualified to ask this answer this question than you. I would su- suggest. You know, Albert Einstein once said, "Leading by example is not the primary way of influencing others. It is the only way." I believe that for folks who want to make a, a difference in a cause that they may care about. You can't just preach, this is what I believe, and here's a a clever hot take on why uh, my position makes sense or you, you should. People want to see action. What are you going to do? What are you going to sacrifice? How hard are you going to work? If you believed in it that much, would you be willing to follow through on, on a promise? And I think that's one thing that honestly does go viral almost formulaically and and part of the success of because I said I would has nothing to do with me, but almost a biological craving from human beings to see promises kept. And and that you'll, you'll over the next couple of days, look at social media and you'll see that 10, 20% of these things are just incredible types of sacrifices, promise kept follow through because people find that not only inspirational, but rare these days. Mm. And I mentioned that biological piece, and I'll touch on that for a second. You know, our frontal lobe in our brain is responsible for a lot of things. And one of those things is future planning. When you put us in an MRI machine, you ask us about the future, our brains light up. And human beings are so uniquely capable of thinking about the future. No other species is, is even, it's not even close. And what a burden. You know, since you're five years old, you're thinking about what middle school is going to be like. And then you think about, are they going to pick on me in high school? And then I got to get good grades. Then I got to go to college. I got to meet somebody. I got to get this job. I got to invest. I got to make sure. I re-. But then somebody tells you, no, 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 no. I-, I promise you it will be this way. And then that happens. It literally biologically soothes us. 
every book we've ever read, every movie we ever watched, there's somewhere in there a promise in the story. And I think that connects back to our biology in some way. And that's also why following through is so successful on social media. Tell me about the combination of research. I mentioned it in the introduction, research and philosophy that you use to help people keep their promises. How exactly does that work? Yes, Sandra, you obviously have been on a lot of stages. You've seen some of the world's greatest speakers. And you and I both know that no matter how large the audience is, no matter how good the speaker is, in four hours from that moment, four days from that moment, four weeks, if you want to be kind, many of those people will not change. You and I are seeing inspirational messages every day, but it doesn't mean that we're all superheroes now. And, and so I realized that very soon on, I would go to meet and greets, people would say very kind things and share promises with me, and, and some of those promises were never kept. And what I realized is that it, it wasn't just about inspiration, it was about genuine habits and tactics that people did not understand. Even something so simple as calendaring and time management. That sounds like just boring to be honest with you, but if you talk to enough people who've written these promise cards, you've kept amazing commitments, you'll see that time management, resource management, the way they look at how they're approaching this promise as almost a project is part of the reason why those people keep their promises and why other people aren't. And uh, you, whether that's accountability partnership, the four types of negative thinking, uh, limiting beliefs, whatever it might be, I realized that a lot of folks just don't actually understand these habits and tactics. And so that's what our chapter programs in schools, juvenile detention centers, prisons, that's part of their focus is teaching these habits and tactics and, and, and not actually focusing that much on inspiration. Um, yes, it's good to get that shot in the arm. We all need it, but it's probably better if we have a, a toolbox to pull from. So our schools do nine character development workshops a year. That's once a, a month. And then we challenge them to four volunteer projects. We say, okay, now you got to make group promises to this hospital, to these children, to these senior citizens, take those skills and actually put them to use in this promise to help others. So yeah, I really think that the habits and tactics is the most critical piece. It's good to feel good, but that's only a portion of the pie chart. You mentioned, you mentioned public speaking, so we'll just touch on this. Uh, and I, I don't want to embarrass you. You don't strike me as the kind of guy who would be embarrassed at this anyway. Um, but I have indeed listened to hundreds of speakers, many of whom uh, are professional speakers. It's their 24-7 job, right? Um, you are not a professional speaker in the sense that that is not your day job. And yet, Alex, I, I will genuinely say to you, uh, the presentation you gave that I heard, what, seven years ago, was very close to, if not the best presentation I've ever seen on a stage. So on that basis, what makes you a great public speaker? Because you are articulate and, uh, and passionate and, and the messages and the stories, it all works in perfect combination. You know, do you spend hours and hours and hours practicing all this stuff or do, is it something, what makes you great on stage? Is it something that comes from within all, all this, this genuine, um, belief in what you do i mean you're sharing that openly now is it is it well what is it i mean i'd, I'd love to learn because you'll yeah. you're not into a cop yeah. now. you know um <laughs> there's a there, I, I like quotes it, it centers me in different ways but there's uh there's a quote everybody appreciates honesty until you're honest with them 
right? Uh, I, I know that being on a stage, doing Q&As, uh, a lot of different public-facing things, even being on the Today Show, people want a boxed answer that, that they can take home and, and use. And, and for this question, I, I don't have that, that answer. To be honest, the reason why I'm passionate is because I'm tired and I'm sad. I, I'm, I'm tired of visiting schools of high poverty and seeing what these kids are going through. I, I'm, I'm, I'm tired, upset, emotional about the funding for the charity. And, you know, are we, our programs going to make it in this COVID-19 era where a lot of my funding that was came from events has evaporated. Uh, I think about the families that I employ, you know, I have full, a lot of full-time folks and if 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 i can't keep them employed you know 38 uh, th- sorry uh, 38.5 million jobs lost in the united states do they find food for their families other ways you know i I'd, I'd, I'd hope so but there's just a lot of 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 different angles that are are kind of guard railing me into an amount of emotion that sometimes is not healthy but for whatever reason, it makes me a, a decent speaker. You know, maybe, you know, that no pressure, no diamonds. I don't know what it is. But uh, mental health is as important at every level, whether you're an executive, whether you're it – just, it just doesn't matter. And, and for me, some things that I do, I schedule my sleep. I got to get sleep. I got to eat bananas. You know, I got to, I got to, I got to find that balance. I got to look myself in the mirror and say, even though you have a mullet right now, uh, <laughs> for not having a haircut, don't let that affect your self-esteem, Alex. No, I, you, you got to find balance in that. But for me on, on bad days, I think I actually am a better speaker. Um, I, I don't know what, science or human behavior is behind that, but it just, I think is my introspection on that, on that thought, that question. That's, that's a really great way of looking at it actually. And uh, yeah, I, I, that resonates with me in particular. So um, the, the bad days, you know, we all have those and no one is suffering more than you are at the moment. You know, you've been on this upward trajectory for years and years and years and, and it's gathering more and more momentum. And all of a sudden something comes along and it derails every plan, every objective, how, how does Alex Sheen deal with the bad days? Is it about just sticking to the plan, reminding mm. yourself of all the reasons why you do it? Um, I, you know, I want to try and give, a, give everyone a bit of perspective here because there is a danger that people look at successful people like you, and I'm not just talking about financial success, but fin- yeah. uh, successful people like you and kind of go, oh, well, you know, it's easy for him because, because, because. Mm. Uh, but the perspective here is that we all have really bad days. And yeah. it's, it's how you deal with them that is the measure of who you are. How, do, how are you dealing with stuff at the moment? Well, humans are good at engineering. Humans are good at science, math, architecture, and humans are good at negative thoughts. We are exceptionally clever at finding a way to be negative. It's just human nature. And so part of that battle is calling it out and identifying it. So, you know, there are four types of negative thoughts. Some of them are like things like catastrophizing, all or nothing, thinking, focusing on the negative stuff, stuff like that. And, and so I'll come to a moment where I'll catastrophize. I'll say, if this doesn't go right, 
it's all over. Like, uh, because this is connected to that and this, and then this person won't be happy. And then that person will quit if the project is too hard. And I'll start just going into this, this mode where everything is all of a sudden on a fire because I do have a legitimate fire, but it's only in a trash can and I can handle this. Um, and so, so catastrophizing spreads it everywhere. And then you start to limit your ability to even ideate, to come up with thoughts that could solve the problem because you just give up before you even start it. So I think that understanding the four types of negative thoughts is one of the ways that I gate those moments. I can see it come. I, oh, I know what that is. I, I literally label it in my mind and say, that might be true. COVID-19 as a pandemic is a catastrophe. Let us not, you know, I'm not trying to water it down. It, it could be the end of, because I said I would in certain ways. So I'm also trying to be realistic. However, I can label that and manage to it and say, hey, let me put that aside for a second. Maybe it is true, whatever. I'm gonna label that as catastrophizing, put it on the side and, and at least give brainstorming a chance at least give hope a chance, at least try to plan. And then if it comes back to it and I cannot solve it, then I will deal with reality. I can live in that honesty, but I have to give it a chance first. So that's one of the things that, that I do. And the, the, another thing is I tell myself, if I can do this, I can do that. That In 2000, and it was probably 14, probably the same year I spoke at Million Dollar Roundtable, I came down to the last nine days of payroll, okay? And, and I remember crying like every single day leading up to that. After that, it took a long time to, to change our trajectory. But I have pulled because I said I would from asunder. I can do that again. If I've done that, I can do this. And again, that may or may not be true, but without hope, you never make a promise. You never make a promise. You look at someone who might be an, an alcoholic, someone who's struggling through substance abuse, maybe even in the lineage of their family. And they say to themselves, well, why, why even try? Same thing with a smoker. I tried to quit 15 times. Why even try? Why even make the promise? Hope is an elemental part of starting a journey and you've got to give yourself a chance at hope before you squash it all together and not even make the promise. That's part of how I'm getting through this moment. If, if only we could have a couple of hours of you today, I, I, I would be prepared to extend the normal boundaries of this podcast to keep talking to you. But alas, we can't do that. Um, there will be people listening to this um, when we're all out, allowed out again, uh, listening to perhaps in their car or, or in the middle of doing something. So they may not necessarily be able to grab a computer right now, but I'm going to strongly encourage everyone listening to uh, look you up. So to help them out, Alex, how do we find out more about you your incredible movement, because I said a word, how do people participate? How do people uh, help you with your funding? Just, just point us in, the, in a few directions so that we can, just to make it a bit easier for us. You know, since March 6th, I told my staff, COVID-19 prevention response is the only thing this charity does. Um, this moment, this pandemic has shown us the importance of individual responsibility more than any moment in my life, my parents' life, and maybe even my grandparents' life. Uh, this is, no one can wash your hands for you. No one can tell you to wear a mask. No one can, can 
can make you be a part of the solution. We as citizens across the world, we've got to make that decision ourselves and to, to degrees that we're comfortable with. But that is a promise that we need to make and keep. So I encourage people to go to because I said I would.org slash COVID-19, see individual action plans that they can they can execute in, in their communities to help through this crisis, uh, see our public service announcements, see our mask sewing program, everything we have there. And if they want to contribute on that same page is the ability to donate 100% of the proceeds will go to fuel our charitable programs, um, whether it's our chapters working towards being COVID-19 prevention and response uh, supporters, or uh, even in prisons. We have literal in inmates sewing masks, people who will never see the light of freedom, still living the promise that they made to help others in need. Uh, because I said I would.org slash COVID-19 is a way that you can not only get involved, but support the cause that we've been talking about. And any other social media since we've got Twitter, yeah. is Instagram? Yeah, Instagram at Because I Said I Would. Facebook uh, is at Because I Said I Would. And Twitter is at BCI Said I Would. We'd love to hear your promises. You can always grab those promise cards at Because I Said I Would.org slash request cards. We still mail them out uh, around the world. And, uh, and at the end of the day, if you don't do any of that, you never click a button, just be a person of your word, and that would be plenty for me. Very, very good. Um, uh, the final question, which we ask all our guests, Alex, um, I, I wouldn't even know where to start with this question. Um, but given all of your amazing experiences, good and bad, but, but all part of that uh, incredible journey, if you were having a conversation now with a younger version of yourself, so a young Alex Sheen comes up to you and says, Dad, like you had that conversation with yours uh, all those years ago and said, based on all of your life's experience, what you know, what one single piece of advice could you give me above all others, Alex, that would really help me find my way in life if, if that were possible? I, I think I would call it promise acceptance. And I think it's something that my father did very well and I did not understand even years into uh, this cause, years past his uh, life. And what that really means and, and what it means to to his life is that my dad wasn't a rah-rah kind of guy. He did not speak like me. He would never get on a stage. You would not notice him if you worked for with him for 10 years. Uh, he was a person who played a leadership role in his own way as a director of pharmacy, but nobody to write home about. What my father did and why he was so good at keeping promises is that he just accepted what was in front of him. He didn't spool in these thoughts of like, oh, well, I have to wake up at 7, 7 a.m. and why me? And this is like, he just told himself, listen, this is happening. You made this promise, whether it sucks or not, whether it's hard or not, whether it's going to cost you money or not, this is happening. And any time that you're going to spend spooling in your own self-pity, you can do that, but that's not going to change anything. You will keep this promise. And that's just how this is going to go. So I feel that my dad just accepted the hardships of life and just chose not to fight them. That was, is something I still struggle with. I ask myself, why me? Why do I have to make these sacrifices? Why do I have to be this person that the world assumes that I am? Um, I still deal with that, but the better days is just accepting it, telling myself, I don't, I don't have to do anything. I don't have to do anything. I get to, 
I get to be a part of this cause. I get to be a part of the solution. I, I get to do these things. And, and that is what promise acceptance is to me. Just get rid of the, the wheel spinning. It's a waste of, of, of time. I'm almost sad to have to end this podcast today. But, um, and, and I think thank you is, um, is understating it. It's almost being somewhat disrespectful to you for sharing um, your incredible journey, the person you are. All, all I think I can do uh, by way of an appreciation for what you've shared today, Alex, is to encourage everyone listening to look you up, get you on a stage somewhere, um, participate in some way, even if it's not in a, in a financial way, definitely to join the movement. I still have, I still have the t-shirt. I still wear it with pride. Um, and, uh, and I'm going to extend to you, uh, a donation from my, we haven't, we haven't talked about this. We haven't pre-rehearsed it. Uh, but I have my own charitable foundation and it would be my great honor to make a donation to, because I said a would in, in, uh, in, in humble thanks for everything you do for everyone across the world. So we'll deal with that after we end the podcast today. But I, I wish you amazing success. Uh, no doubt this bump in the road will, will be just that. And, uh, and you'll emerge uh, better and stronger as a result. Alex Sheen, thank you so much for joining us on the Sandro Forte podcast today. It's been an absolute pleasure connecting with you again. Thank you, Sandro. It's, it's been awesome knowing you over the years and I appreciate this time. Well, thank you for joining us on the Sandro Forte podcast today. I'm, I'm struggling to find the adjective. Uh, he is a terrific guy, really terrific. And, and I do encourage you to, to look him up and follow what Alex Sheen's doing. Remember, every week we've got a new guest joining us to share their own insights into achieving success or overcoming life challenges. Please make sure you subscribe. Follow us on social media, Sandro's podcast. As always, same on all channels. And if you want to email us with a question or find out more about what Alex is doing, it's hello at sandrospodcast.com and we'll be sure to connect you with him or any of our guests. Please remember there's two other things to connect with me, Sandro Forte. It's the real Sandro Forte on Instagram. Somebody stole my name. And please leave a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll automatically enter into a draw to win one of the prizes donated by one of the guests on the Sandro Forte podcast. Until this time next week, have a good one. 